Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, and I, I, I request your anointing, your power, speak through me as you've spoken to me. I pray that you anoint the hearts and the ears of the listener. Yes. Give your people illumination. Help your people make connections from all the sermons they heard in the past, all the devotions they heard in the past, to what I'm going to share today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, friends, my name is Ed. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a husband. I like to say Christ. I'm a Christian, but I'm a, I like to say follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. Sometimes you want to change it up, right? Um, so I'm a Christ follower. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. And I'm a pastor of the mighty Victory Outreach North Brooklyn Church. Beep, 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 beep. Victory Outreach North Brooklyn is all about radical freedom, infectious joy, and surprising faithfulness. Uh, I believe the end product of biblical Christianity is a person, and that person is Jesus. Uh, it's like that guy that raps, Jesus Christ, right? And, and I believe that the end product of biblical Christianity is a person, not a book, not a building, not a set of principles or a system of ethics, but one person in two natures, divine and human, with four ministries, prophet, priest, king, and sage, and four biographies written in the go four gospels. But those four biographies don't tell the whole story. Every bit of scripture is a part of the same great story that that one person and that one story plotline of creation, revelation, redemption, and consummation. The Lord has challenged me to spend most of my ministry declaring the glory, the greatness, and the grandeur of Christ. I've heard old sermons of mine that I barely mentioned Jesus' name and it makes me cringe and wince every pent. And I've been in services and conferences where Jesus' name was mentioned like once, twice. And man, we have such a smart church that I don't have to just focus on the principles. And we could do that during the week. We could have uh, principle-driven teachings during the week. But Sunday is just for declaring the greatness and the glory of Jesus. You know, I've been studying the life of the Apostle Paul. I've been reading his, uh, like, N.T. Wright, the, the biography of Paul. I read this other really difficult, like, uh, academic book on the of uh, the ministry and revelation of Paul. And one of the things I see about Paul that, you know, so I talked about some of my sermons. You know, if you did a word cloud, the name of Jesus is there, but it's not like how we, I my new commitment. And, you know, if you look at Paul's life and ministry in Ephesians chapter 1, in 23 verses, he mentions Christ more than 20 times. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, in 30 verses, he mentions Christ more than 20 times. In Colossians chapter 1, in 30 verses, he mentions Jesus' name, or Jesus Christ, the title, more than 25 times. Wow. Theologian Karl Rayner says that the truth of faith can be preserved only by doing the a theology of Jesus Christ and by redoing it over and over again. I've been saying this illustration about C.S. Lewis every week, right? C.S. Lewis, Prince Caspian book. Aslan said to Lucy, every year that you grow, you will find me bigger. And I think that's a beautiful illustration of spiritual growth. Every year we grow in the Lord, Jesus Christ looms larger and greater in our eyes. I heard this uh, great professor named Len Sweet. 
and he said this story, right? He was he was talking to like Catholics and Pentecostals and Baptists, and they were all there trying to elbow. You know, they they all got their pet theology and their preferences. And he said this story, and this story is so great. He said every year three people get together for a conference and cry. Mary, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. And Mary says, I came into this world to give him life and to bring Jesus to humanity. But they worship me. And the Holy Spirit is crying. And they say, Holy Spirit, why are you crying? And he says, man, I came to reveal Jesus, to reveal him and to testify and magnify Christ and make him real and alive. But they put me on the throne and they forgot him. Oh, we're talking to our Pentecostal brothers. <laughs> and then the Bible started speaking. And the Bible says, I came to point all my arrows to him and to show women, men, angels, and even demons who he is and his greatness and glory. But they made a God out of me. Maybe he's talking to our Baptist brothers. And listen, we got to focus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of wit uh, witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, shame, and now he's seated in place uh, of honor besides God's throne. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For those he foreknew, he did predestine to become conformed to the image of his Son. God's purpose for the, begin, for the very beginning of time has been to make us like Jesus. Praise God! It has been from the very beginning, in fact, in Genesis, he's, God says, let us make man in our image. That's always been God's purpose, to make man in his image. Not to make God, not to make us gods with a little g, but to make us godly. To imitate his nature, knowing we'll never reach his stature. To have the character of his son, to be conformed into the image of Christ. So he wanted us to make us like himself. In Genesis, we see there was a fall, and Jesus came to restore what was there before. So the goal of all my preaching has to be the goal of all my preaching is to produce a Christ likeness in you. I pray that one day people will say, "Man, those members of Victory Irish North Brooklyn, they're like Jesus. They pray for the sick, they give to the poor, they pour love on the widows, they defend the orphans." They bring joy, they 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 they, uh, they bring recovery of sight to the people with no vision. They're hope dealers, hope bringers. They serve with love. They're truly the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that's our goal here in Victory Irish North Brooklyn. Not to be, to be the biggest and baddest church and this and that. It's just to have a bunch of people being like Jesus within the context of of their life. So today I want to talk to you about three questions Jesus asked Peter. Question number one, the first question I want to I want to speak to you about, and the main question is, who do you say I am? Let's turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13 through 17.
Praise the Lord. The word of God says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Ismail, who do you say Jesus is? Shade, who do you say Jesus is? Brother Norman, who do you say Jesus is? Brother Warren, who do you say Jesus is? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He said, he said his, uh, his uh, government name. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. Listen, that's why it's good to pray before the service, because there's certain things that I can say to you, but the Holy Spirit can help you make immediate connections and give you illumination and revelation and inspiration and impartation. Hey, bars. So the interpretation of that is Jesus had to withdraw from a mainly Jewish region of Galilee and come to the place more populated by Gentiles. Sometimes he got more rest in the hood. <laughs> and this was a retreat for the pressing crowds. And in this new place, there were pagan idols and, and, and Gentile landmarks and temples. Theologian William Barclay wrote, Caesarea Philippi was an area associated with idols and rival deities. The area was scattered with temples of ancient Syrian Baal worship. Hard by, uh, in that same place rose a great hill, which there was a deep ca uh, cavern. And that cavern was said to be the birthplace of their god, Pan, Pan, Pan the god of nature. In Caesarea Philippi, there was a great temple of a white marble built to the godhead of Caesar. It was like Jesus was deliberately, deliberately setting himself up against the background, against other world religions in all their history and splendor and demanding to be compared to them and have a verdict in his favor. So he's, he's in this place full of idols and, and temples and he told the disciples, who do people say I am? And the disciples said, some people say John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a big deal. That was the main connection they could make. Some thought Jesus was just a miracle worker or a guy that made people feel bad. Some people say Elijah, right? Because Elijah did miracles. And Elijah was part of their national pride. And, and Elijah, you know, he one time there was his king they didn't like. And Elijah called a, a famine. No, no, he called a drought. And they're hoping Jesus did it to the Romans. Then they said Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah was like a nationalistic prophet. You see, the people were trying to put Jesus in the box of what they wanted. Right? They wanted like a prophet, they wanted miracles, they wanted politics, but Jesus transcends all that. The general tendency in all these answers was to underestimate Jesus, to give him a measure of respect and honor, but to fall short of honoring who he really is. Peter knew that uh, the opinions of the crowd were complimentary to Jesus, but they weren't accurate. Jesus was more than John the Baptist, more than Elijah, more than a prophet. He was more than a national reformer, more than a miracle worker, more than a prophet. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, the human face of God, the exegesis, explanation, and the expository of God. 
And even today, right, some people say Jesus is a Republican. Some say Jesus is a Democrat. Some say Jesus is a Socialist. Some say Jesus is a Capitalist. Listen, I'm here to remind you, Jesus' kingdom is not America. It's bigger than America. Some say he was a good teacher. Some say he was a prophet. Some say he's a prosperity transactional God. But Jesus is so much more. In the book of Exodus chapter 3, God, when, when Moses approached God, he said, what's your name? And God said, I am. And Jesus used seven I am statements throughout the book of John. He says, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6. He says, I am the light of the world in John chapter 8. Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14. And Jesus says, I am the true vine in John chapter 15. Brothers and sisters, we have to come to a place but we're no longer living on secondhand faith. It's not just who Pastor Sonny says Jesus is. It's not just who my, my dead mother, who's in, in the great cloud of witness, what Cookie says Jesus is. It's not about what Petey says or Raymond says about Jesus is. It's not just quoting Pastor Ed about what Jesus is. It's coming to a place of repentant confession and a place of revelation and a place of adoration, understanding for yourself that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, our healer, our friend, and our Redeemer. And we need to grow in that faith. We need to grow in that relationship. We need to grow in that understanding. I've been married 20 plus years. And I love Anna more now than I did before because I know her in a greater way. And we have to learn to like, Jesus asks, who do, who do you say I am? We know what the History Channel says about Jesus. We know what MSNBC says about Jesus. We know what Fox News says about Jesus. We know what they're going to say at World Conference about Jesus. But who do you say I am? And I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters. Some of us have been serving the Lord for a long time. And Jesus has been our Savior, right? He, he helped us get off drugs. He helped us stop being depressed. He helped us when we broke up with that guy, when we broke up with that girl. He helped us when we were distressed, depressed, disconnected, dislocated, tension, transition, and trouble. But he's more than that. He has to go from Savior to Lord. He has to be in control of our life. He has to be the landlord of our soul. He has to be our friend. All right, so another question. The second question I want to, I want to bring up to you is when, when Jesus told Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 28, and then... We're going to go down. You know, I don't know why I skipped 29. Uh, let me open Blue Letter Bible here. I think I was trying to shorten it too much. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Let me change the translation on the Blue, Lido, Blue Letter Bible app I use, or website I use. Matthew 14. I don't know why I skipped some scriptures. Sorry about that. Okay, so this is after Jesus feeds the uh, 5,000. Verse 22. 
immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Okay, like underline that. He insisted. They are, now they have a mission. Their mission is to get in the boat and go to the other side. After sending them home, he went into, and, and, and Jesus is like finishing up the service, right? After sending them home, he went to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. They cried out, It's a ghost! Scooby-Doo! Verse 27, But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid! He said, Take courage, I am here. Ooh, that's good. That's a word for somebody. Take courage, I am here. Verse 28, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went on, out over the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when, the, but when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. You know, it's crazy that they, they're saying this, but then new things happen when they make them say it again, right? And so may God give you new stuff that you will always uh, confess Jesus as Lord. All right, let's continue to read. This is a, uh, this is a part, this is a, what do you call it? Epilogue? Prologue? No. After the story? Oh. Epilogue? Yeah, this is important. <laughs> After they crossed the lake, they landed, they, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly through the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched them were healed. Oh, that's so good. So we see here a few things, right? We see knowing your purpose. We see staying in the boat. We see, we see walking on water and the will of God is more than just an adrenaline rush. We see worship. We see uh, ministry. And so I know you grew up in the things of the Lord and you always, they will always tell you about Peter walking on water. But I want to, I want to kind of look at the other side. And there's some truths in that, right? So Peter, Peter was walking on the will of God, right? He says, he says, Jesus, that's you. Let me walk to you, right? And so Peter wasn't walking on water because of a skill. He was walking on the word and the will of God when Jesus has come. And so as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he was walking, right? And the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And that's the truth. That's a, that's a powerful uh, spiritual truth for some of us, right? When we keep our eyes on Jesus, don't look at the winds of the world. Don't look at the winds of the news. Don't look at all this. You could be aware, but don't be afraid, right? And so we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. But I also want to talk about staying in the boat. The reason why they were in the boat was to get to the other side because on the other side, well, so on this side, they were feeding people. On that side, they were healing people. Different aspects of ministry, right? So one side, they're feeding people. They're feeding thousands. Then Jesus says, get on this boat, 
go to the other side. The mission wasn't to walk on water. The mission was to stay in the boat and get to the other side. Because in the other side, people are going to be healed. See, Peter lost the we and got caught up in the me, right? And so the world is the world is looking how can I say this? I, I, I want to say this right. Because I know all your life you, you were heard to say, get out the boat. But, man, Jesus didn't really tell them to get out the boat. It was Peter kind of testing the Lord. Um, and they were afraid. If Jesus told them to go to the other side, Jesus wasn't sending them on a suicide mission. He wasn't going to let them die. Right? And they were afraid that Jesus was walking. Then they said it was a ghost. And then Peter was like, if that's you, and, and, and there's lessons in that, right? There's times where God wants you to get out the boat and do great things. But one out of 12 got out the boat. But the main thing was to get to the other side, right? And so the boat could be the church. The boat could be the community of God. And so we just can't, we got to be, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on why they got on the boat, right? They, Jesus needed them to get refreshed. Jesus needed to spend time with God his father, and there was healing on the other side. So allow me to say this part, right? You've heard a lot of the get out the boat and walk on water stuff, but let me let me talk about staying in the boat for a second. They had to get, they had to stay on the belt. They had to stay on the boat because on the other side, people needed them to show up. People needed the, they needed those apostles and Jesus to show up. The world is pushed forward by people willing to show up, to stay, and to follow through. The best schools are the schools where people show up to PTA meetings and follow through. The best neighborhoods are the neighborhoods where people show up to the community board meeting and follow through. The best students often are the students when parents show up to the parent-teacher conference and find out how they can partner and work together with the teacher to see the child succeed. The best churches are the churches that most of the church shows up at the prayer meeting. Most of the church shows up at the church cleanup. Most of the church shows up at the evangelism. Most of the church shows up to be mobilized at the regional meetings. We have to show up at work when we don't feel like it. We need people willing to show up, to step to step up and stay to the end and follow through. These are the people that run the world. People willing to show up and grow up. People willing to follow through. Right? And so some of us, man, we're in this boat. You got to get to the other side. We got to get to the other side of this COVID. We got to get to the other side of this credit repair. We got to get to this other side of this health restoration plan. We got to get to the other side of this de this uh, this dedication of the season towards counseling and therapy. We got to get to the other side of uh, spending quality time with our family. Listen, we got to get to the other side. When people start showing up, smelling like Jesus... We can start making changes to this world. When people are showed up, prayed up, with their sleeves rolled up and willing to shut up and listen to the people and listen to the Spirit of God, that's when we begin to change the world. 
I, I think that's a principle for somebody here. You got to show up. Some of you need to show up to those voluntary vol- voluntary staff meetings. Some of you need to show up to those uh, professional developments. Some of you guys need to show up at the gym. Some of you guys need to show up at the vegetable section of the store more than the bakery. Let the Lord show you where do you have to show up. And remember the question, why did you doubt? Don't doubt the Lord. Don't doubt the Lord. If God has told you to get to a certain spot, keep your eyes on Jesus. All right, last question. Jesus says, do you love me? He asks Peter, do you love me? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 21, verse 15 to 22. Are you learning something? Let me know in the chat if you're learning something or if I'm bugging out. All right. All right. John chapter 21, verse 15 to 22. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I guess he was talking about the food, the disciples. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus says. He said, take care of my sheep. The third, third, the, third, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Verse 18, verily, very truly, I, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said to this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Remember these, these, these questions. Do you love me? And remember this statement, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? John is humble. Um, and so when Peter saw him, he said, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Listen, Jesus reinstated Peter with this one question. Jesus launched out Peter with this one question. He didn't say, Peter, are you ready to go to another level of your leadership? He didn't say, Peter, do you know the seven systems of the church? He didn't say, Peter, do you understand project management, budgets, and matrix of responsibilities? He didn't say, Peter, do you know how to get grants? He says, do you love me? He said, do you love me? And then he told him what to do. He never told Peter to love the sheep. He never told Peter to love the lambs. But he says, because if we, it's the vertical, right? If we love God, then he would teach us how to love the sheep and the lambs. He reinstated Peter. When Peter denied the Lord three times, he reinstated him. He never brought up what Peter did. He never said, Peter, thou ist funny styleth, because thou denieth me to a little teenage girl. He never brought it up. He says, do you love me? And many of you, you want to do ministry. But the question is, do you love Jesus? Many of you, you want to be millionaires. That's cool. But do you love Jesus? Many of you, you want to travel the world and visit different victory outreaches and churches and sing and preach. That's what's up. Bring your VONB shirt. 
but do you love Jesus? And then he says, follow me. Jesus wants our love and our pursuit. The proof of desire is demonstrated in pursuit. Jesus wants our love and our pursuit. Every morning, ask yourself, what am I going to do to show my love for Jesus? And am I following Jesus? So we're done. We're done. I, ho- I hope um, you learned 2.3 things today. Um, we can't be swayed by other people's opinion of Christ. We must endeavor to know Christ more and more every day. We must stay in God's will and not doubt, not doubt his love even when life hurts and we go through different storms. And our fuel for ministry of purpose needs to be set in the foundation for our love of Jesus. And as we begin to love Jesus, we begin to act like him within the context of our lives. Many of you have already placed your faith in Jesus, and I'm so happy about that. And today I want to I pray with you. Many of us, we need to recenter ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves, who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say Jesus is in our social media? Who do we say Jesus is at work? By the way we live, by the way we walk, by the way we talk, by the way we operate our lives, by our conversation, conduct, character, and clothing? Brothers and sisters, who do you say Jesus is? Second question is, let's fight doubt. Let's, you know, when Jesus said, why did you doubt? Let's take in the boat. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's get to the other side of whatever we're going through so we can bring healing to people. And the last thing, let's remember to love the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that we could be counted as your friends, your followers, sons and daughters of God. Father, I pray that this sermon gave birth to a certain level of information and transformation into everybody watching. That we can see a little bit of ourselves in Peter. We know what the world thinks of you, Jesus, but we have to show the world what we think of you, how we love you, that you are our Messiah, you are our Redeemer, our Healer. Lord, help us not doubt and help us stay in love with you, that everything we do is birthed from love from you. As I, as I reach and I preach and I teach, let it be as an overflow from my love for you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.